If you have your Bibles, turn to Matthew chapter 19. And as you're turning there, I just want to just appreciate everybody that was involved in the Spark 5K yesterday, to the paid staff, to all the volunteers. It was a phenomenal event. We raised awareness for uh, the foster care community. About 140 runners, I think, total ran it. And, and just a great time. So thank, thanks for all our sponsors, all the people that were a part of it. And uh, let's keep praying for that group of folks that are desperately in need of our prayer. Also yesterday or this weekend, one of our team, a group of our team went to Luray, Virginia, and were part of an extreme church makeover. So they went and used their skills and their gifts and their set to really make a difference in a, in a little country church that needed some help. And so we appreciate those guys and, and all that they do. Chesley, thank you for your leadership. We so appreciate Can you give him a big, give, just give him a big hand, will you? I'm, I'm in a series called Book Smart, and I thought, you know, we're going back to school, and, and uh, this is what I know. You are who you are by the parents who raised you, the mentors that invested in you, and the books that inspired you. I really believe that. And some of you say, well, I, the only book I've read is a Dr. Seuss book. Can I just encourage you to read, read books? It'll make a difference. And probably the most read book, the topic of books that I probably I've ever read is books on marriage. I've read more books on marriage than maybe any other topic. The Ten command. I mean, I could go through the list, just probably one or two a year. And you say, you say well, why? Because if I'm going to live with somebody for the rest of my life, I don't want to endure it. I want to enjoy it. I want to be the very best husband that I can be. I, I want Angie, my wife's life, to be better because I'm involved in it. I want her to be my soulmate, my partner, my best friend. And, 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 and i got to learn. i got to grow. I've been married 20-something years now. I'd have to think 23 years now, I think. Yes, it doesn't matter. A long time. I mean, it does matter, but it doesn't matter for this. But just, just listen, quit. Quit judging and just listen. I've been married a long time, and, and I just want to keep getting better at it. I want to be the very best that I can be. I also don't understand women. Just, I, I still, after all these years, still don't get it. And did you hear about the study they did? They're trying to figure out if a computer was a man or a woman. This study was done a few years ago, but all the women said that the computer is a man. Is a man. He's, he's masculine, the computer is, because in order to get their attention, you've got to turn them on. Because they're supposed to help you solve problems, but half of the time they are the problem. That men, they have a lot of data, but they're still clueless. And they hear what you say, but not what you mean. And, and so all the men heard that, and they said, there's no way a computer is just like a woman. And they said, well, how so? Because no one but the Creator understands their eternal logic. Even your smallest mistakes are stored in long-term memory for later retrieval. I know that's not true of y'all. As soon as you make a commitment to one, you find yourself spending half your paycheck to accessorize it. And you do the same thing for years, and suddenly it's wrong. This is, this is what Matthew 19 says. At the beginning, God created man and made them male and female and said, for this reason, and he created a man, male and female, they're different. They think different. They look different, thank God. They act different. They... They internalize different. They're just different. They're male and female. But he said, for this man, reason, a man will leave his mo mother and father. My, uh, my, boys get, my oldest son's getting married in December, and he's going to leave. The, the priority relationship has been for a long time me and his mom. But now he's leaving that 
And he's going to be united to his wife. They're going to become one. And the two will become one flesh. So they are no longer two, but now they're one. And that's the goal of marriage. That's the hope, that you'll become one and that you'll remain one. And so I want you to take out your outline, take a few notes. If you're married, I think this will help you. If you're engaged, this will help you. If you're single, you'll have something to look forward to and, and, and think about. But, but, but here we go. And the, the key book, the latest book I've read on marriage is called From This Day Forward by Craig Rochelle. And I encourage it to anybody. It's an easy read. You'll fly through it. And it's got some great, great principles. So, so over the next few minutes, I want to talk about some how do you stay one? How do you become one? And how do you stay one? And here's the first thing you got to do is you got to seek God. How many know order matters? That order is important. You don't put your shoes on before your britches. You don't do that. It won't work. You don't spend money before you make it. You don't eat dinner before breakfast. And you don't bet on the Redskins until they have a team. You just don't do that. Because order matters. And this is what Jesus said about order. Seek first. Seek first his kingdom and, all, and his righteousness and all these other things. Everything else will be added unto you. A lot of the problem we get ourselves in is because we get things out of order. And if you're, you're a single and you're a follower of Christ and above everything else, your number one pursuit ought to be to honor God. You should desire to love Him and seek Him and get to know Him and, and discern His voice. You should, you should seek first His kingdom above everything else. Quit looking for a spouse and start going after God and he'll give you everything you need. If you, if you want to, this is what I know about marriage, if you, you want to be the kind of person that you want to marry. So if you want a spouse that's sold out to Christ, then devote yourself fully to Christ. If you want a spouse that seeks God daily, then seek God daily. If you're single and you want to be married, then become the kind of person you would like to marry. And if you're married today, here's, here's the important. Don't put your spouse first. You say, well, that's contra. No, we get it out of order. We lay too many expectations and hopes on our spouse that they are unable to fulfill. We think they're to meet all our needs and fill in all our gaps. And it's their ultimate responsibility to make us happy. No human can do that. There, there are four basic needs that we have, that we have to have. We have to have this need of acceptance that we're unconditionally loved. This need of identity that we know who we are. This, this, I, this need of security that I'm taken care of. And, and there's this fourth need. It's called purpose. We've got to know that our life matters. And we try to dump that on our spouse. Well, you've got to make sure I feel loved all the time. And, and that's part. I know that's part of the role, but that's not their ultimate role. If you don't feel loved by a Savior, you're not going to receive love from a spouse. Your identity can't be wrapped up in them. Your purpose can't be wrapped up in them. You've got to be accepted because Christ, while you were yet a sinner, Christ died on a cross for your sin. Your identity has to be, I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. My security, it can't be in my spouse. It can't be in what she makes or what he makes. It has to be that he that dwelleth in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. God's my protection. God's my rock. God's my hope. God's my purpose. Everything is found in him. 
And we try to dump this on our spouse. And, and I'm just telling you, you've got to get it in order. You've got to seek first his kingdom. Then everything else will be added unto you. you. You know what we do? You know what we call it when we put our spouse in a lofty position and they've got to meet all our needs and fill our gaps and make, our, make us happy? It's called idolatry. No person is able to do that. This is what Phil, uh, Mark Driscoll said. Our idols always fail us. And eventually we end up demonizing the people we idolize. Let me, let me just kind of explain that, give you an example. When we're dating, I know, I just love how organized she is. And she's so passionate about everything she does. She's so focused and driven. She's awesome. She's amazing. A few years into marriage, we get a different perspective. She's a control freak. What used to be organized, now she, she always has to have everything her way. Nothing I ever do is good enough. Her constant nagging is driving me crazy. It's like I'm being nibbled to death by a duck. See what? First, first we idolize and then we demonize. And you know why we get frustrated? It's because we get it out of order. We try to make our spouse number one instead of number two. You want abundant life? Seek God. You want a rewarding career? Seek God. You want a sense of peace and contentment? Seek God. You want a place where you can find joy and fulfillment? Seek God. You want a great marriage? Then seek first his kingdom. And all these other things will be given unto you. And, and say, so how? how? How do we, as a couple, as an individual, mainly as a couple, how do we seek God first? And I, for each principle, I want to give you one keystone habit. I could give you a list of things. Well, you need to go to enrichment marriage seminar. You need to plug into a small group and people that are connected and doing life like you want to do it. You need to, you need to worship together. You need to study God's word together. But there's one thing, I think, that, that kind of connect to each principle that I'm going to give you, that if you begin to do that one thing, it will be like spiritual momentum, and it will build and it will carry over, and it will cause you to do the other things. So I don't want to give you a list today. I want to give you one thing. It's like I have a keystone habit in my personal life that, that my goal is to be in bed every night by 10 o'clock. That's just because this is how it works for me, not for you, for me. If I'm in bed by 10, I'm able to get up early. And if I get up early, I work out. And if I work out, I usually eat better because I've spent some time and I don't want to mess it up. So I eat better. And when I eat better, I usually feel better. And when I feel better, I usually get more done. And when I get more done, I can go to bed at night with a clear mind and I get more sleep. It's just a keystone habit. So I try to get to bed before 10. And just at the opposite, if I don't, if I stay up later, then I don't get up, I don't work out, and it just, it's just bad. So there's a keystone habit, I think, in all of our lives that if you just do one thing, it kind of carries over to other things. Does that make sense? And in this thing, seeking God first, here is the one thing. Just pray together. Here's the keystone habit. I, don't, I Just cancel everything. Just if you'll do this one thing, just pray together. And, and I can already feel the pushback and... Especially the men, well, I don't know how to do that, and, and I, I'm embarrassed to do that, and I, I don't know what to say, and it feels so awkward and unnatural. And, and, I, and I hear you, and I know it. I know it can. But think about anything you've really done for the first time is unnatural, it's awkward. I mean, any time, the first time you threw a baseball, uh, first time you drove a stick shit, first time you did everything, it's awkward. And I'm just telling you, just start. Start where you are. And, and, and don't let it be formal and religious. Let it, just let it be in somewhat 
just normal. Use your normal lane. And here's what men say all the time. I don't want to be a hypocrite. Because I act, I don't want to act always godly. And then I'm going to ask my spouse to pray with me. And I'm going to pray for her. And I just, and you know what? Pray that. Lord, I know that I've messed up. And I know that I'm not the best father. I know that I'm not the best husband. I know my attitude has stunk at times. But God, I want to change that. And I just want to start with this first habit. And I want, I just want my wife, my spouse to know how much I love her. And just spend some time in prayer. Uh, it will change your marriage. It'll change you. It'll change your marriage, and it will get you spiritual momentum so you can begin to do other things. I tell you, men, when you start praying for your spouse, it's, gonna, it's just going to turn them on. They love, they love a spiritual man. That's what they want. They want somebody that will lead their home spiritually. And when you take her by the hand and say, baby, before you leave, before we go to bed, before you head out the door, let's just spend some time in prayer. And I'm not talking about minutes. I'm talking about a minute. Let it start there and move forward. It, it, it's a, here's the Gallup poll. They did, a, they did a study on all believers. And everybody, all the couples that came to church on a regular basis, they came to church and they worshiped together. One and two ended in divorce, just like the rest of the world. They asked how many pray together. One in 1,153 ended in divorce. One habit, praying together, that changed their marriage and changed the direction and changed their future. So, so see God how? By praying first. Here's the next thing, fight fair. And here, here's, here's what you got to know. We're all going to fight. I mean, it's not if you fight, it's how you fight. It's, it's not when you fight, it's, it's, how, you, it's, it's how you do it. How do you, we're going to have conflict. I, just, I think the first conflict was when Adam and Eve were in the garden and, and when God said, I want you to name all the animals. That I can just hear Adam going, Eve, what do you want to name him? And oh, I don't care, whatever you want to name him. Go ahead. Okay. I think that little joker looked there. He looks like a ganook. I mean, looks like a, a ganook, Eve said. What's a ganook? That don't look like a ganook. What are you talking about? That doesn't even make sense. A ganook. Okay, what do you want to name him? I don't care, whatever you want to name him. I mean, that was the first argument. And, and we've been arguing ever since. But when we argue, we've got to fight fair. So what, what's the keystone habit? I don't want to give you a great big list. I want to give you one. Here it is. Watch your words. If we could just do this, forget everything else. It, I'm telling you, if we start practicing these four habits with these keystones, with the, these four principles, with these habits, it will change our marriage. Here, here's what the Bible says. The tongue has the power of life and death. You can build a marriage or you can destroy a marriage. You can resolve conflict or you can cause conflict with your words. You know what the very next verse is? As I studied this, the first time I put it together, it's Proverbs 18, 21. The tongue has the power of life and death. You've heard that one. You've heard this one too. Proverbs 18, 22. He who finds a wife finds what is good and receives favor from the Lord. I wonder if the two are connected together. I wonder, I don't think they were just, at, just thrown out there. I mean, I think there was a progression. There was a, I, think what, I think what the writer was saying, hey, you start speaking words of life. You start speaking words of encouragement and affirmation and love and grace. And, and, and you know what? You're going to find a good thing, and you're going to receive favor from the Lord. I, 
Just watch your words here. Husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her to make her holy. Cleansing her, the church is Christ's bride. Cleansing her by the washing with water through the word. He uses words to cleanse her. And can I just ask you, are you cleansing your wife with your words or are you sandblasting her with your words? This one habit will cause life or will will bring death. Here's another verse. Do not let any unwholesome talk, critical, condescending, nagging, negative, back, but don't let it come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit all who listen. I'm not asking you to do a lot of things. I'm asking you to do a one thing. I'm asking you to control and watch your words. And some of you struggle with that. Some of you, I mean, we all do at times, but some of us really have a sharp tongue and a condescending tongue and a negative tongue and a hurtful tongue and an angry tongue. And we, we use our tongue to belittle. And the bad news is, let me tell you, it will destroy your marriage. It will destroy your relationships. I, I was, it's probably been several years now. I just remember it, though. I was driving, trying to get on 288, and it was all backed up, and they were doing detours because come out to find out later somebody had taken a cigarette bud and flicked it out the window carelessly, and that little spark started a fire, and it burned several acres along 288. James says your tongue is like a little spark. Careless words, and it causes a great big fire. And I, I'm just saying I know that, that's the bad news, but here's the good news. Jesus can help you. He can take that, that, that tongue and he can, how do I know? Exodus 4, listen to this. Moses said to the Lord, pardon your servant, Lord, because God had just called him. I want you to go lead my children out of Israel. I've never been, been eloquent. He's talking about his tongue. I've never, I've, in the past, nor since I've spoken to your servant. I am slow to speech and of tongue. I can't get it out. I can't talk right. I don't say the right things. I, uh, my tongue doesn't always articulate what's in my heart or what's in my mind. And the Lord said to him, who gave human beings their mouth? And who makes them deaf or mute? And who gives them sight and makes them blind? Is it not I, the Lord? This is what I want you to see. Now go, and I will help you speak, and I will teach you what to say. That's my prayer for me and my prayer for you, that we will go, that we will yield to the Holy Spirit, and that God will help us speak and will teach us what to say. And that our, we'll speak words of life and encouragement and affirmations. I love Angie. Again, my, for you that haven't met her, Angie's my spouse. I love her for many reasons. But man, one of the reasons, because she's never belittled me or ne ma never made me feel less than with her tongue. If I'd made a bad decision, which I've made plenty of them, she doesn't berate me and belittle me. She, she gives me grace, and, and she, well, it's going to work out, and, and you'll do better next time. And you, your motives were pure, and your heart were right, and you, you just, just, just how it turned out. After what I feel like is a bad Sunday, man, I just really couldn't commute. No, you did it. It was, it was fine. It was good. You, you, you're doing great. The people, it, there was somebody in that audience that needed to hear what you were saying. I'll, I remember, I've shared this story before, but when we first got started out, I was youth pastor in Gloucester, making about $18,000 a year, living in a 700-square-foot house. Uh, Angie's uh, 
a daughter of a retired colonel in the army. And, and then he went on to contracting. And so she'd gotten just about, I mean, not everything, but she, she lived in a blessed home. They, they were just blessed. Her daddy worked hard and did well. And, and she, got a, she got some stuff. She came and married me, buddy. And, and uh, it was, at least for the first little bit, it was, it was rough. And I'd taken this little princess out of this castle and, and brought her to this little home. And in the middle of winter, I was trying to balance bills and get it all right, and I, for, I didn't pay the oil bill, didn't re, re, fill up the tank with oil, because I, I was thinking, well, let's see, if we can just get through this month, I can do it next month. And in the middle of January, we just, Tyler had just been born, he's about two months old, we ran out of oil, it was one of the coldest weeks, really, of the winter. And so about two o'clock in the morning, it's, for, we're, we're breathing smoke in the house, and, 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 and it, and it I mean, if you think you're, I'm feeling terrible. I got a little two-month-old baby. We got wrapped in a blankets. He's huddled in between us, and we're just trying to stay warm. And if Angie ever had a right to say, what have you done? You, you brought me out. You brought me and my little baby out. She could have belittled me and berated me. And, and just really, if she had, there, it was justified. She didn't do that. Stan, quit feeling so bad. You're doing the very best you can. I, I'm caught into this just like you are. We're going to make it. Come over. Get, let's just get a little bit closer. We'll get another blanket. We're going to be okay. I'm telling you, that was a, it was a, she laid the foundation for our marriage with those words of life and those words of hope. You know, James says you've got two chambers in your mouth. You've got a chamber of praising and you've got a chamber of cursing. Not cussing, though that could be a chamber. Cursing. That's life and death, power and hope. I'm telling you, fill the chamber with praise and let it rip in Jesus' name. Start thinking about, what well, you're a great man. You're a hard worker. That was an awesome meal. You're an incredible mom. The way you handled that was amazing. I love how you, I appreciate you win. You turn me on win. I'm thinking when I take off my shirt and flex. No, when you get out the vacuum and just, you just start, that really turns me on. Whatever, whatever works, whatever works. Well, can I do it with my shirt off and flexing? No, no, no. Just that, let, let your words. That was, that was not good. So here, here's, I just gave you a very picture that you don't want to think about. Set a guard. Set a guard. It's a great verse to memorize. Set a guard over my mouth, O Lord, and keep watch over the doors of my lips. I'd memorize it. I'd put it in my heart. The Bible says, I've hid your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. That's a great word right here. Here's the next. Have fun. And, uh, and immediately, you know, here's what the verse says. Enjoy, Ecclesiastes 9.9. 9. Enjoy life with your wife whom you've loved. Are you getting this? Seek God. How? Pray first. Uh, what's the second point? That's it's time to talk back. Fight fair by watching your words. Here's the, here's, the, here's the next one. Have fun. Enjoy life with your wife. Again, it wasn't meant to be endured. It was meant to be enjoyed. And immediately all of us men are thinking, you're talking about Song of Solomon fun. That, uh, do you remember Song of Solomon? Can I just refresh your mind in chapter 4? Li listen, can, here, here's these two young lovers, these two young brides, and here's Solomon talking to, to his new his new wife. How beautiful you are, my darling. Again, and I want you to see that before he touches her body, he touches her heart with his words. What, just watch this. Oh, how beautiful your eyes behind, behind your veil. So, so she's still fully clothed. 
are doves. Your hair is like a flock of goats. I probably wouldn't word it like that, but descending from Mount Gilead, all he's saying is you're letting your hair down. That's, that's their poetic thing. Her, her long hair is coming. Your teeth are like a flock of sheep just shorn. He's just saying, I'm so glad that you brushed and flossed and, and you used some Listerine tonight. They've just come up from the washing. You just did it. That's always a, a great thing in marriage. Make sure your breast good. Each, each has its twin. Not one of them is alone. It just means she's got a full set. She's not, she's not a hockey player from West Virginia. She's got all her teeth. And, uh, and <laughs> your lips, just stay with me now, just say, your lips are like scarlet ribbon. Your mouth is lovely. I mean, he's just going on and on about this lady. Your temples behind your veil are like the halves of a pomegranate. He's just saying they're red and, 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 and ruby. Is that, is that a word? Your neck, I don't think I've ever spoken about a neck, but your neck is like the Tower of David. I don't know if it, no, what he's really saying is built with elegance, and on it hang thousands of shields. He's saying you're not only beautiful, but you're, you got character, and you're dignified, and, and I just love everything about you, the way you hold yourself, the way, the way you walk. You're just an amazing woman, and, and the shields of a, of a warrior. Uh, your two breasts are like two fawns. Like, I'm not going to comment on this. Like twin fawns of a gale that browse among the lilies until the day breaks. What he's saying until. Now just read into this. Try to stay with me so I don't have to say too much. Until the day breaks, until the sun comes up and the shadows flee. It's not going to be dark anymore. I will go to the mountain of myrrh until the hill of incense. You know, he's just, you know that Lionel Richie song? All night long. That's what he's saying. Right there. And, and if you don't, if she didn't think she was beautiful enough yet, he's saying, you are altogether beautiful, my darling, and there is no blemish in you. And, and, and you know, he's just building her. He's just affirming her. Before he touches her body, he's touching her heart. He, he just, he wants to, he wants her to know. Here's, here's the, some of the women's greatest wants or desires is to be cherished and connected. And Solomon is doing that. And, and he, he, he just cherishes her, speaks words of life over her. And you know how she responds? Go, go to chapter 7 today and read it together. She, she gets on a see-through negligent, ne I can't even say it, a nighty, and, and dances before. And you know what she says? I think I can say this in church because it's in the Bible. She says, let's go make love in the woods. I, Oh my good the, this is a this is all I know. The B I B L E. Yes, that's the book for me. <laughs> and you thought it was boring. Come on. But it is it is. She's you're fanning. I'm hot too. Fan me, will you? I know I'm probably beat red. It looks it looks good for the for the camera. My beloved, here here now, here's what she goes. And you know what men need? They need affirmation and honor. Women need to be cherished, and they need a sense of connection. Men need to be affirmed, and they need to be honored. And so she begins that. My beloved is dazzling and ruddy, outstanding among 10,000. And, and I know she's talking to him, but it's almost like she's talking to other people. And, and I think how we can mess up is when we belittle our spouse in front of other people. She's just declaring his value and his worth. He's dazzling. He's outstanding among, 
All these other joker boys, he's the man. His eyes are like doves. His cheeks are like a bed of balsam. Is that his lips are lilies dripping with liquid myrrh? All right. His abandonment is carved ivory. You know what he say, she's saying? Not necessarily he's got a six-pack, though he might. He's saying, I love your strength. You protect me. You, you've cherished me. You've connected with me. And that makes me feel secure. Your legs are pillars of a- alabaster. Again, you're strong. It doesn't mean he's 6'4", 240. It means he, he's just, he does what he says, and he says what he does. Here, his appearance is like Lebanon, choice as cedars. His mouth is full of sweetness, and he is wholly desirable. I mean, she, she's just getting all stirred. I, I just, this guy, I, 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 he's the man. He's above everybody else. I, do you see the, do you see, I hope I'm illustrating it kind of funny, but it's so true. If we'll build, if we'll, if we'll use our words to come along, it will enhance and increase your marriage. I wish the keystone habit was to make love, but it's not. Here's the keystone habit. It's a date night. Remember, order matters. And this matters. Because this helps connect and cherish. This helps honor and appreciate. And when you're doing that, it builds momentum in your marriage. And it causes you to begin to do the other thing. And again, I'm getting pushed back. We can't afford it. You, you don't, we've never done that. I'm just saying from this day forward, you've got to get in your schedule. You've got you've to put on your calendar a time where, and I, I, I enjoy going out with other couples, but can I just tell you it's not the same? You need to do that, but first, you need to just you and your spouse. And you need to go sit across a table. You need to go and sit on a park bench. If money's an issue, you, we need to be creative in how we can get some... But we've got, to, we've got to have a date night so that we can just connect and interact and, and laugh together and appreciate one another and love each other. I'm trying to help you. I'm trying to help your marriage. And, you know, as I was studying for this, I, was, I, I don't... Again, don't think I'm up here like I got it all together. These are all habits that I've got to re... I've got to go back and reevaluate and see if, if I... If, if I'm really, am I, am I praying together with Angie like I should? And if the truth be known, no, I ha, I've not been consistent with it as I should be. And I need to be. And, and, and when I, when I talk about fight fair, has, has my tongue always, no, no, I gotta evaluate, I gotta set a guard over my lips today. I gotta re, I gotta reevaluate and, and start really asking the Lord to really help me at this. And then have fun. I, I mean, I got five kids and, and you talk about busy it's crazy, but if I want to build spiritual momentum, I better find a couple hours in a week where we can just be together. Here's the last, here's the last thing, never give up. Never give up. At the altar, you said, for better or for worse, in sickness and in health, for richer or for poor, forsaking all others from this day forward as long as I, we both shall live. Can I just remind you, marriage is not a contract with escape clauses. It's a covenant made between you and God, made between you and your spouse. And, and we read in Matthew 19, and what God has joined together, let no man separate. Andy Stanley said, you can't unwind what God has made one. You can't do it. So, so give me a verse. Help me. Here, here's the verse I think that's appropriate for this. Do not be deceived. You're not going to think it matters. This fits. It does. 
God cannot be mocked. A man reaps what he sows. There's a reaping season. There's a harvesting season. You reap words. I know in a heated argument, if I'll speak, a soft answer turns away wrath. You know what that is? That is, that's sowing words of life. And you know what I found when I do that? It just lets Angie's defenses down. And all of a sudden, we've taken a hostile situation that, that, was, that was probably going to end up in a blow-up. But because I sowed, or she sowed, usually it's her more than me, but she sowed words of life, it diffused it. It, it, it brought it down. Because, now, it, I'm just not, if you sow, you're not, you can't do that. You, you're treating me bad. I can't believe you act like that. Here we go again. You're going to reap that kind of stuff. You're going to reap the same. What you sow, you're going to reap. Whoever sows to please the flesh, from the flesh will reap destruction. Whoever sows to please the Spirit, from the Spirit will reap eternal life. So sowing and reaping, you got it? It doesn't stop. The verse isn't over. Let us not become weary in doing good. Don't quit sowing. Don't quit sowing words of life. Well, she never responds. Don't quit. Don't quit seeking God. Well, it doesn't just seem like it's not working right now. Don't stop. Keep sowing. Keep, well, we're just not. Keep fighting fair. Keep doing it. For at the proper time, we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. Listen to me. You want, you want your marriage to change, and, and we, we want to help you, marriage mentors, marriage counseling. We got it all. But I, if you'll just begin to practice these four principles with these keystone habits, seek God. Just pray together every day. Might be short, might be longer sometimes, but every day, pray together. Fight fair, meaning just watch your words. Sow words of life over your spouse. Have fun. Spend some one-on-one -on -one time. Call it a date night, a date day, whatever, whatever you got to do. Just get alone. And then fourthly, never ever give up. Amen, everybody? Amen. Bow your heads and your hearts with me, will you? Lord, from this day forward, we want to honor you. Lord, from this day forward, why don't you just take a moment, will you take out your outline and, and, and just right there where you're seated, especially if you're married, will you just look at it and, and see God, what what needs to change? Will you, will you respond to it? How are you seeking God? Are you trying to put your spouse first, or is she, he, in the proper place? Is she second? God first. If so, Lord, forgive me for that. And from this day forward, I want to seek first the kingdom of God. I want to seek your righteousness. I want to seek your heart. God, forgive me for trying to think that, that she can meet all my needs. Lord, that's, that's on, that you, you're the only one that can do that. And I surrender to you today. I want to seek first the kingdom of God and your righteousness. That second point says fight fair. Has your, has your tongue been a chamber of blessing or cursing? Lord, forgive me for my critical, condescending, negative tongue. Lord, I want to speak words of life, not death. I want to help build my marriage, not destroy my marriage. 
Set a guard. I think all of us could pray this. Set a guard, O Lord, over the doors of my lips. Keep watch over my tongue. May the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in in your sight. Oh, Lord, may I fill that chamber with praise and may I speak blessing in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Why don't you just put your hands right by your mouth, will you? And just pray, Lord, let my mouth edify you and build others up. I don't want any unwholesome talk coming out of my mouth, but only what is helpful in encouraging others and blessing others. Oh, Lord, help me. And then have fun. Maybe you you and your spouse, you're living in the same house, but you're not even connected relationally. But you make a commitment from this day forward. Get it on your schedule, on your calendar this week. We're going to spend some time together. We're going to internet, inter, we're going to connect. We're going to interact. And I pray, Lord, as couples meet this week, that it, it will be life-giving. Lord, that you'll be with them. And that you'll help them in Jesus' name. And here's the last thing, never give up. Maybe you're thinking in your mind, this, it ain't going to work, Pastor. I don't care what you say. I don't care... This thing is gone. It's dead. We sang a song this morning. It talks about Jesus rose from the dead. He raised Lazarus from the dead. He can raise your marriage from the dead. Uh, May you be infused with tenacity. May you be infused with just a desire to do it God's way. From this day forward. May divorce and separation be a non-negotiable. Help us, Lord.